Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast presented from a non-Trekkie perspective. I'm Liam Dempsey, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt Brothers. Hello, guys. Lovely to be here. And Paul Wilson-Morris. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, thanks for having me. What? <laughs> Actually, you're, you're our a guest tonight. You're a regular <laughs> guest at this point. Like, <laughs> like, at least like 80% of episodes you've been on. Like, uh, today, we are venturing back to the Lower Decks for season two of Star Trek Lower Decks, the Star Trek adult animated cartoon spin-off. Wow, would you look at that? A view like this makes you realize it doesn't matter what deck you work on. We're all in it together. And they left us. They left us. How much oxygen do we have? A lot? A little? Ballpark? Good morning, Serena! Lieutenant Keishon, welcome to the Cerritos. Rapunky, when he joined the Seven. Computer, ramming speed! This could be your year to get promoted. That what it takes? Yes! Okie dokie! Only thing missing is Boimler. Think of all the fun adventures he's going on. Oh god! Get him out of there! Ah! Ah! Look like a lot, but when it comes to a fight, us Starfleet officers are trained to throw down at Let it go! Teddy Rod! And who among us hasn't been pooped out by an alien creature? It is not. Don't touch me! Oh crap, it's the evil computer. Friend, I'm worried about you. My scans indicate you could lose a couple pounds. Excuse me? Our ship might not be the biggest. Oh, oh sh and we might do the missions nobody else wants. Come on, you've been in tougher spots than this. Thanks, Tom Paris. I am a little worried about the fumes in here, though. You know, since you're talking to a plate. <laughs> but we are still Starfleet. Recently finished its run on CBS All Access, or as it's now called, Paramount Plus in America, and unlike the first season, got its screening in the UK straight away on Amazon Prime, so we've been able to review it a lot faster than the first season, yeah, which we had to wait a long time for. Well, unless it's like, you know, two days before season three comes out and it'll probably move to Paramount Plus, right? Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. We've just discovered that Star Trek Discovery season four... A betrayal? ...is not going to screen on Netflix as everyone, including the fucking cast, expected, but, like, going to screen immediately on Paramount Plus next year but when it lands in the like UK. a date for that, is there? They're just saying no early date. 2022. That could be Sometime in 2022. I think it's a Disney Plus situation with Mandalorian, where it's probably going to be about six you months or You something. can't call that shit now. Like, yeah. people need... Like, especially a long-running, massive series like this. You need it at least the day after. Not yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, thing. if anyone from Paramount is listening, lads, everyone in the UK is fucking parting your shit right now. I can tell you that for fucking nothing. We're not because we're law-abiding citizens. But a lot of other fuckers are. <laughs> so, yeah, get we, used we, to we it. don't have a uh, obligation to do week-by-week reviews. No, so we, we have no, the, we have zero obligation. We can do the season review whenever the hell we want. So yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As we always say, we present considered, comprehensive 
retrospectives <laughs> of Star Trek. So we can wait as long as we fucking None like this, like bus. off the cuff yeah, reactionary, hot reactionary. Take bullshit. Yeah. Like you know, we wait. So Paramount Plus, we can wait. As long as you fucking like. Because the secret is we don't care as much yeah. as some other Trekkies. Exactly. So, you know. We're the non-Trekkie podcast, bitches. <laughs> we can wait until your little fucking project dies a fucking death. And it will. Well, will, will it have Fraser in HD on it, though? Uh, well, if the, that's not been made yet. So there well, you go. Might, might, if it's on this. Oh, well, the old Fraser. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fraser. Well, it might have Fraser in HD because Fraser. <laughs> this is a, a tangent all over Sasha. But Frasier, the excellent uh, sitcom starring Kelsey Grammer, was filmed in film. Yeah. So okay, it can be beautifully upscaled to HD. Like well, so. Yeah, upscaled just be just be rescaled, I guess. Yeah, 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 like, yeah exactly. And we can also put in whatever background we want as Frasier looks out the window now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could do a Frasier remastered <laughs> with CG Seattle yeah, out the exactly. window. Flying like, cars uh, out that window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but today we're here to discuss Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. Now, regular listeners may remember. That when we talked about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1... Ooh, it was a three-way split, wasn't it? I was not a fan. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah, like Paul says, I was not a fan. Matt fucking loved it. And Paul was sort of in the middle. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I was sort of... Yeah, Matt, you, uh, I, I, quote, I, was slight, I was slightly right of centre. From the episode, from the episode, this is a direct quote, listeners, and you'll remember oh, if, remember if you're a subscriber. <laughs> be hard to be critical in a way because it's a lot of my feelings are just feelings and I can't really explain them but I, I kind of low-key loved this well yes I would say my low-key love meant that that it had a lot of potential <laughs> I was just enjoying seeing standalone episodes that were having a bit of fun and it's really what I needed as opposed to something like Picard which I felt was a bit of a slog at times and so I was hoping that this would be more of the same, but improving on uh, some of the, the, the critiques we had. Well, as you know, Matthew, I hate having a bit of fun. <laughs> uh, so these episodes disgusted me. <laughs> Did no. you not want standalone adventures? Uh, yeah, but better ones. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I'll have to wait for Strange New Worlds. To give I me am that. excited about that. Uh, well, however, I will announce right now, because... On the last episode where we focused on the decks, my big thing, takeaway, at the end of the episode... Well, number one, I hated Badgie. <laughs> Luckily, who did not return for season two. Yeah. But also that this was the first Star Trek show where I was like, I might not want to watch any more of this. Oh. I might step away and be like, because this is the non trekky podcast. Like, you know, <laughs> the whole point has been us discovering, will we become Trekkies? That blew my mind when you'd be like, we must cover everything on the show. Be like, nah, I just won't even do it. I don't even want to watch Prodigy. There's worse things to like, watch. Uh, like, we will watch I mean, certainly, if we have to fucking get Paramount Plus, we'll do fucking everything. Like, uh, but I was kind of like, hey, guys, you know, when you do season two, I might not be here, like, I think, for that episode. Like, we'll uh, be here at your house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll just be You're sitting just on the couch, like, sitting in the corner, like grumbling. But you know, I said I'd watch the first one of season two and see if it kind of you know won me over. And I watched the first episode, Strange Energies, and I must admit that immediately I was like, oh. This seems like a step up for season. Have one. you learnt nothing from every Star Trek series of the first few seasons being a bit 
lax. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, that that is... And I suppose Lower Decks would fall into that camp more because it's more standalone adventures mm-hmm. rather than kind of like a story arc. Once they settle on the dynamic of the ensemble and stuff, yeah, got yeah. the characters in. And I definitely feel like this season they settled in on what the show was far more than the first season. With the first season, a lot of my problems came from the fact that, number one, I didn't think it was funny uh, because I thought all of the jokes came from weird Star Trek Easter egg mm. references and stuff like guy. that. Yeah, Trek. Family Guy, but specifically mm. Star Trek yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. And that didn't work for me. Whereas this season, immediately, the thing I noticed straight away from the first episode was there were jokes that weren't just about connections to Star yeah. Trek. They were natural jokes coming out of plot and character. Yeah, they went, they went hard on the references to begin with. And now it's coming out more of everything else. But yeah, you also yeah. had your human chip reinstalled, so... Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, immediately I was like, okay, this seems like a more confident, funnier show. Like, I was having actual laughs in the first episode. And so, you know, immediately, like I said, I'll say right now, I way prefer season two to season one. And overall, although I still definitely have problems, which we'll get into, overall, I enjoyed this season far, far more than the first. Uh, was that the case for you, Paul? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one more. I think it just, I, I had time to sort of like gel with the characters, I think, in the first one. I think you got, got a lot out of the way in terms of setting them up. So that when it kind of like, it's a really good position to start season two, where you mm. have the Boimler reassigned to the Titan under Riker, and it just sort of leaves... The others, in it, you know, having to find for themselves, you know, they, without their kind of key bit, it, it puts them on the back foot a little bit. And I, and I find it more enjoyable than just sort of their week in, week out banter where, you know, she's, uh, you know, um, what's, her, what's her name? The Mariner. Mariner is just like doing everything she can to like do things the wrong way and Boimler's, you know, the opposite. It's just, I, I, I it grew tired, but the fact that she doesn't have him to mm. bounce off of, it was quite, it, you saw a lot more of her. Yeah. And also just really interesting to see her dynamic with her mum play out as the, cap, the ship's captain. Uh, I just also enjoyed, like, you know, her sort of really rubbing all the sort of senior officers the wrong way, like Ransom, the commander as well. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, she was less annoying this this season in a big way. Like, you kind of got to know her a bit better. And I think uh, she turned out to be one of the funniest elements of it. Yeah. Basically, this, it, it should have been Mariner's Day Off, like, is the, it should be title of season two. Because it felt like she was really channeling Ferris Bueller and most, like, couldn't give her ass, <laughs> like, you know. And it, it was quite enjoyable, like, mm. to sort of see, like, how... Serious, everybody else takes things, and she's like deliberately doing the opposite of all of those things. Uh, I also enjoyed every time we cut to uh, Boimler on the Titan, like it's he's in some kind of horrendous near death experience, which would be what would happen on the Star Trek Next Generation every week with Commander Riker and Captain Picard. This is like <laughs> doing a humorous, real, you know, what it would do to somebody who's a normal person being on a ship yeah. that's like near death every week. Shields at 30%! Red I'm starting to think this jam session's got too many licks and not enough comp! What does that even mean? Careful what you wish for, uh, you may get it. And I, I found that quite an amusing uh, sort of like B-plot for the first few episodes of the season. Yeah, yeah. And you are looking for the, uh, well, you're looking forward to them the reuniting because it's gonna, they're going to come back changed. Yeah, yeah. Slightly. And, uh, and so I feel like it had, a, you know, it came out of the blocks so, so much stronger. I thought the second episode about a... Uh, collector of relics around the galaxy was really strong. I think it, it had a different way of approaching the uh, 
Easter eggs because they're more in the background mm-hmm. in that one. It's just like it's fun to watch out for if you're like a, a long term uh, viewer of Star Trek, but they're not like hitting you over the head with the backlit like you do in the first scene of the first series where yeah, it's like yeah. cutting somebody's arm off. Whereas this is like the story is the important thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not setting up yeah. Star Trek jokes, it's the plot. Exactly. It's, it's actually we're having a Star Trek episode where the Star Trek references are incidental. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're much of... more throwaway, the, the yeah. Star Trek Easter egg gags in yeah. this season. But yeah, this first episode as well with I love <laughs> you got the Gary Mitchell connection as yeah. well with Ransom getting the gold powers and it's okay. right like what you say like whereas in season one they have to go hard on really drumming in the base character functions of everybody and if you do that too much then it kind of becomes a bit rope but now because we already know that you can change it up so yeah by having Boimler off off ship being on the Titan and see what's going on there and being able to chart everybody's change a bit more means that you can still play in those ballparks of what these characters are at their heart. We kind of just mess around with the dynamics and the pairings and bring other characters as well. Yeah. And I think that helps feed into more interesting and better individual stories. And I think especially it got better, especially as this season went along as well, of marrying the A and B plots, which in a lot of other sitcoms and especially animated shows as well always felt better at doing and I think that was one of our critiques the first season where it would often have interesting dual stories but they were kind of very separate and here they feed into each other a lot better as it goes on as well and it feels like you know they just need more of that where the wacky kind of B or C story ends up being the thing that saves the day at the end of the A story for example and we have more examples of that. So Matt we have established that you low-key loved the first season. Mm-hmm. So did you high-key or middle-key love the second season? Yeah. No, I think some of the same issues are still there, but like less so, or they're bothering me less. Like I think this was another good array of, of adventures and stories, and I think especially where it ends off, leaves me excited for a season three in a way that a season, like a show made up of standalones, might not have done or had needed to do. But I think everything here is amped up and improved from before. And it's, again, taken really great use of being an animated medium. The theme song still slays. Uh, <laughs> that will never change. And yeah, I think this is a good... It's something that now that both seasons are out as well, you could really just kind of blitz through and oh, have a great time. Two things I think you... I, I was thinking about you loving while it was happening. I think uh, Mariner and the episode where Tendi and her team up with it, I think they actually acknowledge, like, Oh, we haven't heard a bad mm. jump yet. Let's go and do something. And, you know, they end up coming across Frankie, I think it is. And they're yes. like, they're evil. I think she even says, like, you're like evil first season Frankie or something like that. She actually refers to the episode name from yeah, TNG. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, Frankie. Which yeah, I rewatched yeah. after episode to kind of see the first iteration of the Frankie again, which was really funny seeing them like these really, like, you know, creepy, whip wielding species. You've heard of phasers. Now over there. Is this a female? A human, female, LaTeX? It's true. You work with your females, arm them, and force them to wear clothing. Sickening. I think it was also a really funny joke with Tendi being forced to kind of like be a space pirate like you know and kind of like having to kind of uh, lead into the stereotypes of her race as well yeah. I thought that was really funny like how they kind of did that um, I love the little cold open in that one as well this is the fourth I was like, episode I love the green up as well like you know she has to <laughs> green up to sort of pass as a as an Orion uh, you know how I love the Orions of course from uh, <laughs> yeah. Discovery a Season 3 a 
Love you, Syrah. And, uh, <laughs> and the second episode I thought that, that you would really, 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 really love was the one where they have to kind of do their like um, simulations. And Boiler yeah. is trying to get a perfect score. And that <laughs> just felt like you and Pilot Wings or something like that, like just going back again. I must. I love that one because that that's episode eight. And the bit, yeah, you're referring to as Boimler having like a Borg-related test, which is fairly straightforward, and he gets a good score, and he's like, "No, I can do better." Bronze medal, first yeah. Off. And it's one of, the, <laughs> and it's one of those gags that kind of gets better and better as it goes along, as he keeps doing better and better, and the score goes up incrementally. But then this is an example of it tying into the bigger story overall, where everything's going on in the main plot with that, with them finding out the whole test is rigged. Yeah. And you kind of clock it in your head before the episode goes back to it of like, oh, Boyman's the key to this. Like him obsessively doing well in this one test is going to save the day because if he can get like 100% in his one test, it's going to bump the overall average up and stuff. And so that was a great one of like having it all tie in. And that was fun seeing essentially like a series of little shorts of them uh, yeah. doing various tests and all failing miserably. Oh, that, those were so funny. And the beginning that. of that as well with the three, uh, with them just saying like, oh yeah, well, our ship's all right, really. And then it's just leaving them in space. And they're like, and they've gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, we had two back-to-back episodes where, you, like you say, there were kind of a series of little shorts, essentially, which was episode eight, I Extratus, and episode nine, Wedge Dudge, or We Dudge. I don't know how you pronounce that. Or I'm assuming that's Klingler Vulcan. Uh, yes, decks, right? yes. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I must admit, I, I did not take to episode eight as much as you guys. It reminded me of Back to the Floor, the BBC docu-soap series oh, okay. from, like, the early noughties where they would send, like, the manager of a Sainsbury's, like, back to yeah. shelf stacking. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, but the one... cover boss or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the one thing that really amused me was the thing about the bridge crew being forced to stack boxes while the action goes on. Yeah. In terms of just that thing of that guy randomly opening the door and starting to explain what's going on. They'd be like, I've said too much. And they're like, we can help you. And everybody's like, no, no, you keep stacking the boxes. <laughs> yeah. And like going off. I found that very funny. Yeah, because that really tapped into the core of the show, which is the lower decks do yes. shitty work. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, it when it comes back to that. I found that a very funny idea. And also the thing of like actually acknowledging that idea of the lower decks crew, obviously are also perfectly competent and could do stuff and they should be taking advantage of that and it's yeah. weird that they don't. But the episode next to it, episode nine, which was again a sort of series of short films, which was showing the lower decks versions of all different species like Vulcans, Pacleds, Klingons, like that episode was probably my favourite episode of the entire yeah. season. That's kind, of a, that's kind yeah. of a slam dunk of a concept as well, isn't it? Let's see the lower decks what it looks like on every other ship and having that gag in the end credits of the Borg lower decks <laughs> and they're just yeah and I actually <laughs> agree with Paul that it should have been the finale because I actually felt that episode did feel it's my coffee with Boimler it did feel even yeah. even bigger than the finale in May was in terms of the all the species come together yeah. and like a gigantic battle like with the Klingons the pack layers like all of the Vulcans all coming together yeah. it felt really high stakes and actually the fight the Klingon fight between the lower decks Klingon and the captain, yeah. I thought that was fucking intense. Like, I was watching it going, oh, we've got serious now, like the yeah. season one finale, yeah. where you just went, oh, this isn't a comedy anymore. This is a full-on intense like battle. Yeah. And especially when he actually like shanked him at the end of that fight, and everything like that was like, holy shit, this is like probably It had stakes. Like you yeah. like, invested in really quickly. Like uh I was you know rooting for like the guy in the Yeah, I was as well. I was because it was that thing of going, you were watching it and you were going, Oh, actually. 
he's right. That idea of that lower decks Klingon, he was staying true to the Klingon way yeah. more than the captain was and was keeping it like real in regards to that. And I was like, you were... Because when they first introduced the Klingons lower decks, I was kind of like, oh, does this really work? Because surely Klingons <laughs> would literally just go, well, I'm not going to be lower decks. I'm going to like fight my way to the top. But that's actually what happened. Target the Federation ship. Belay that order. What? This is not our fight. This lunacy must end. Challenge me! Stop the attack! Finish them! No! I was thinking, like, the big. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure Vulcan's going to join this cast in series. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, I think that, yeah, that Vulcan, that main Vulcan, that was, who I believe. Like I'm in for them, like, straight away. Like, I was like, like, new Vulcan main character incoming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I believe that um, the main Vulcan from that episode is voiced by the woman who played Valeria from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Mm. Um, and so I think. That, so that's a sign they kind of like decided to pay bring in somebody new, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's gonna back. come in, and I've got to say that whole Vulcan storyline. Yeah, it was essentially one joke the whole way through the episode of they all speak in this like incredible monotone. You will not be returning to Vulcan. Curious. I am recommending you for reassignment to a Starfleet vessel. Your hot-headed ways may make you better suited to serve with humans. Captain, I ask that you reconsider. I do not believe this punishment is warranted. And that is exactly the type of outburst which led to my decision. I found it hilarious all the way through the episode. Like, literally, yeah. it made me laugh consistently all the way through. And they did the same gag, like, multiple times. But yeah. it made me laugh every well, time. It, it felt, well, the, the inflections of, like, talking at a monotone, and, like, it felt like the fuck scene from Y Season 1. Yeah. Where, like, how you can say the same word multiple different ways <laughs> and kind of, like, oh, yeah, the tension, lower it, kind of, like, play it for laughs. I thought it was, that was the way they were doing it. They were delivering the same light, you know, the lines of the same kind of light intonation, but like slightly, you know, doing mm -hmm. each differently each time. And it's then, just that thing, the final content where she just says something completely like monotone and the captain's like, it's because of these kind of outbursts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this episode has some Final Frontier references. So obviously we're fans. Yeah, yeah. With the Go exactly. Climb a Rock t-shirt. Yes. The boy was trying to... Yeah, and he's got the boots as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, so they go yeah, to yeah. Yosemite National Park. It's yeah. like uh, catching a murder. That uh, was a good reference. I did enjoy Final Frontier. And with, and with the Vulcans as well, that gag in the previous episode, one of all the tests, I found really funny when, I think it's Tendi, isn't it? When she's trying to save Nick Klingon. And it's the whole like, well, it was him like gag, but in reverse of like, yeah. I'm sorry, he'll live. <laughs> <laughs> Time of life. Well, the thing <laughs> with the ninth episode that showed all the different lower decks of everyone when I started watching the episode, I thought, oh, that's a good, that's a good, clever concept. But when I first started watching it, I went, oh, is this going to be, I thought it was not going to be a good episode. I thought it was going to be a bad episode because I was like, I don't, I think you will go for very kind of low hanging fruit in this. And you'll, and I thought they were going to go through more species as well. Yeah. And just kind of almost like a clip show. Like it was going to be like the Rick and Morty episodes where they watched Alien TV mm. and stuff. Like I thought it was going to be like that. And then the fact that it wasn't, they just, picked a couple of the biggest kind of like species and just went yeah we're going to tell proper stories with the characters I thought this is a good idea really well executed a really well written script yeah. and to get that across in 20 minutes plus uh, that's one where I really noticed Chris Westlake's score the composer for Lower Decks I thought like during the final battle and the Klingon fight that his score 
underneath was feeling like proper like movie size like I think, I think epic. I think I might have picked that up as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah. I Which leads us to probably what we're all thinking is like the finale was weak. Oh, I love the finale. I fucking loved it. Yeah. Well, we are definitely going to talk about the finale because I do want to talk about uh, the finale first, first contact, which I did. I did enjoy as well. I, I agree that the ninth episode is definitely stronger. But I did think it was good. Um, I thought it was a good finale with kind of like they kind of give us another big epic mission for the finale. Although not, it didn't feel as high stakes as the season one finale, which really got quite kind of like intense and stuff like that. And it didn't feel as high stakes as the penultimate episode. Okay, what I'm probably just I'm probably alluding to is more like the episode's fine. It's just the. The, the twist about the, the arrest of the captain. They could, yeah, you, ah, so they, we are on the same page then. Yeah. We are on the same it's page It's like, then. that is no way to end this series. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree strongly. So this is funny. I said the same thing to Matt because we watched the finale together and I said, that's a bit of a random cliffhanger because yeah. for me, this was my problem with it, right? The captain to me, isn't a main character on the yeah. show. They are a regular. Yeah. They are regular. But for me, the main characters are Tendi, Rutherford, Mariner, Boimler. Yeah. The Lower Decks crew. Because it's Star Trek Lower Decks. The yeah. bridge crew are like the secondary cast. Yeah. It's like a flip reverse yes. of what it would be on a normal yeah. show. And it's- so for me, her getting arrested, I'm like, yeah, she's the captain. And yeah, she's the mother of Mariner. So of course it does affect the main character of the show but why is that important enough to be it's not the same as Picard being arrested at the end of an ep- episode of TNG no or you know. like you know or Boiler being reassigned to a different ship like that's yeah. like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. to affect directly one of the four yeah why like, isn't it Mariner getting arrested and I'll tell you what actually she's done enough to do it <laughs> yeah definitely because one of the big arcs of this season is about Mariner's identity now they keep coming back to this again and again throughout the season of it's starts in episode three where Tendi finds out uh we'll always have Tom Paris episode three is cool and Tendi finds out that Mariner served upon the DS9 right. and says like oh what you served aboard Deep Space Nine I didn't know this and she's like yeah 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 I did. I saw, uh, and she says oh I said aboard like five ships before this or something like that and yeah. you just don't know and I was like oh that's interesting they're kind of hinting at a past for Mariner that we don't know and then in the fourth episode immediately we get that rumour about her being like Black Ops, Section 9. I was like, oh, okay, is that building on the last episode then? We're going to find out she's got like a secret past. But then that turns out to be a rumour that she's died. But then we come back to it again later in the season. And we kind of, they keep coming back to it of going like, Mariner's got this secret past, she's got this secret past. And we, it kept making me think, why do you keep coming back to this? Because you kind of come back to it, then diffuse it. And I kept thinking, this is going to be like a finale reveal. So if they turned up and arrested her yeah. and gone like, oh, for your historic crimes of this that you did in this past that we yeah. don't know about, we'd be like, oh, that pays off everything from this season. Makes sense. So I'm like, it doesn't make sense that it was the captain. No, it was like... Oh, you, nobody's expecting it because you've not set it up at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, surprise! It's like, oh, I'm surprised, but I'm also annoyed and, uh, kind of, you know, miffed and yeah. care less. <laughs> unless, unless the conclusion is, because yeah. obviously she is Mariner's mother, yeah. unless the conclusion is they've got it wrong and it's Mariner, not her. Yeah. Like, as in, because of, like, DNA or oh. so, something weird like that, because they're mother well, and daughter. they've got some photographic evidence, haven't they? Yeah, just that's like, true. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Maybe like, they're just racist, Paul. They just, 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 like, well, it looks like her to me. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say weak sources, is all I'll say. Just, <laughs> yeah. like, I just felt like, 
Huh? That's it. Because I mean, the season one did have like the death of uh, the uh, security officer Stax. Stax, whose whose return is it? Was, Shax even. Shax is just very was it was very good to see him back. And I enjoyed the kind of like uh, running joke about don't ask somebody about how they were resurrected. <laughs> you know his fragile mental kind of like health throughout the season is quite you know something they kind of refer to quite a bit. Yeah, now Shax is funny, right? And I mean, because he was actually, I've got to say, we were watching the finale earlier and he's really kicking off at the captain because she hasn't told him that she's getting reassigned. Yeah. Like, he is a very funny character and I do enjoy him being in the show, but I must admit that I did not like the fact that he got resurrected because for me, the season finale of season one, probably the best episode of that season... And I think one of the reasons it is is because suddenly you were like, holy shit, things are getting tense, serious, we've got stakes all of a sudden. And Shaq's dying felt like a really, like, holy shit, this show has kind of got stakes, they've proved it in this season finale. And for them to immediately bring him back in episode three... I was kind of like, ah, you can't diffuse that now. You kind of gone like, oh, actually, no, we are the comedy show. Yeah, but, but you, you thought we are. We've just brought him back. But you, you love Star Trek Three: The Search of Spock. They bring him back, so it's, uh... <laughs> well, I would love it. Like, uh, I, I have it... a quote here. It says, "I low key love." Oh, like, that, that, Spock. Didn't, that didn't happen, mate. Like, uh, but with Spock, you go, yeah, he's an iconic classic character. <laughs> we got, we basically can't continue the franchise without him. With Shaxx, you can't go like, he's good, but we'd be fine without Shaxx. We would be fine without Shaxx, like, yeah. uh, No disrespect to Shaxx. Mm. Like, uh, right, where did we get up to? Yeah, go back to some of the episodes that you maybe pull out a few moments that you liked through the season, Liam. Oh, yeah, well, I will tell you the episodes that I really was drawn to in this season and really liked. So, episode five, An Embarrassment of Duplas. Yeah, uh, which is yeah the episode where there's the kind of anxiety duplicator alien voice by Richard Kind yeah of Richard Kind from Perfect. Curb Your Enthusiasm who was really funny I thought that was a funny idea because it was kind of like a kind of variation of tribbles sort of yeah. thing like yeah but it was that that thing of Richard Kind is obviously a very funny voice actor he does a lot of voice work he was the um, the childhood friend in Inside Out isn't he Bing Bong yeah yeah Bing Bong. And uh, so he's a great voice actor and literally that idea of whenever he was in any way kind of like criticised and got anxiety about the situation he starts duplicating. It's a really funny idea. And especially the end of that when they just sort of ditch him in the party that they're not allowed in. Yeah, like, oh, and that's oh. hilarious. When he's like, oh no, we're not meant to be here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but also, so that story's really funny in it. But also the story of Marin and Boimler trying to go to this posh party mm. is funny. Because one of the running arcs of this season is Boimler and Mariner's relationship and it having been damaged by him taking the post on the Titan. Again, I'm sure we agree that Boimler is on the right like, yeah, per- perfectly legitimate for him to pursue his career. <laughs> Mariner is being fucking weird. Like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, about the whole situation. But they have another, like, falling out. And what I did like in this season is I thought Boimler stood up for himself a lot more. I felt it genuinely felt like him being on the Titan had kind of boosted his confidence. Yeah. And that he wasn't... A, before in season one, he really felt subservient to Mariner. Yeah. Yes. Well, and now this didn't seem the case. Well, yeah, he's not, he's not had the history she's had. So she's always come up with this... You know, as we keep alluding to, or they keep alluding to, is like, you know, she's served on multiple ships. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like Boimler's never had a chance to kind of prove himself or have a backstory. Now he's had his Titan story and he, and he yeah. pulls out the Titan now. You know, a, a lot of times in the series, you're like, oh, so on the Titan. And people are like really impressed yeah. by it. So he's got a bit of cred now. Yes. He's building that cred. cred yeah, you yeah. Know. 
Well, did you think there was going to be a moment when it's revealed that the boy we've been seeing all season is his new clone? I thought they might pull a switcheroo as they Oh, that out. was a funny joke of, of yeah, because Boimler is caught in a, a classic transporter yeah. accident. Classic Riker of transporter accident. And yeah. <laughs> he's doubled, essentially gets a clone of himself, which is the thing that gets him back to the, the Ceratos, uh, the Cerritos. And, like, literally... <laughs> the Ceratos. <laughs> and uh, that's a funny idea. I like the fact that when he discovers, well, he essentially discovers he's the clone, doesn't yeah. he? Because uh, that's a funny idea as well. well yeah, and... so I like the idea of the other version of him, like instantly, like being better. And he's like, yeah. oh, I guess I'm the one who's. Go- oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. He's subservient to himself. Like, yeah. Is it? But that that's why you know it's Boimler because it's like you know taking the shit like you know from uh, <laughs> Baron and taking from his own clone. Yeah, but, it's funny. I, I think I that, like um... him. He's my, he's my favorite soy boy beta cuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I presume that his clone will come back. That seems like too funny a thing for him not to return. Yeah. And like at some point, because he's been serving on the Titan now, completely become Boimler's superior would be funny. Yeah. Because uh, he's already <laughs> getting on that house on fire with Riker when he leaves. Yeah. Actually, that's a moment I really loved. In episode two, Kayshon, his eyes open. Uh, Boimler's big speech about Starfleet being more about exploration than kind of like fighting to the death and stuff like that. I thought it was a genuinely really well done. This is what we signed up for, man. To boldly go. Boimler? Uh... I'm sorry, I gotta be honest, I didn't join Starfleet to get in phaser fights. I signed up to explore, to be out in space making new discoveries and peaceful diplomatic solutions. That's boldly going. And you know what? I'd love to be in a string quartet. I love that when Riker was on the Enterprise, he was out there jamming on the trombone and catching love disease and acting in plays and meeting his identical transporter clone Thomas. That stuff may not seem as cool as what you guys do, but it's Starfleet all the way. A good speech you could have seen put in an actual Star Trek show. It is and, an actual Star Trek show. It is an actual, <laughs> officially, it is an actual Star Trek show. Um, but Embarrassment of Duplas, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. And I love the whole thing of Kirk and Spock's bar. Yes. Of them going to this kind of like cheers-like bar. And like they've got stories and they've got their kind of uh, names scrolled in there. And Boimler and Mariner put their names next to it. I thought it was really cute. And I like the fact that that brings the two sides of the crew together. And that happened a lot more this season where the bridge crew were brought together with the Lower Decks crew and had a way to connect. Yes. Um, because you kind of felt like Mariner, her mum, had now grown closer. And everyone knew about the relationship now, so they weren't trying to pretend it wasn't there. And I thought it was funny that Mariner's mum, they couldn't get into the party either. Because the Ceratos is like, yo, like Cerritos. Cerritos! Like, uh, isn't a respected ship. So they couldn't get into the party even. They had to go to the bar. We're here for the captain's party. We didn't miss it, did we? Nope. They go all night long. Boom! Hold on. Oh, they're with me. And you are? Captain Carol Freeman. Of the Cerritos. You're not on the list. I fought alongside the Titan at the Battle of Kala. Kudos. You are getting in. Uh, John, Captain Anderson, would you tell him I'm the Packlid Captain? Okana, how are you? Anderson, Okana is in there. He's a DJ. What? He's not even Starfleet. This is outrageous. But I also really liked uh, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie, which is the episode that concentrates on Billups. Yeah. Uh, the engineer played by Paul Shear. That was a really good episode because... 
it did something that Discovery is not doing at the moment of taking a small ancillary character and making them the lead for that episode. Because that's something that Discovery can't do at the moment. Yeah. It isn't successful in doing it. You see, you have to be standalone episodes to do this. Because you can has... be like, this is the one where you can... Because in Discovery, they don't have enough time because the storyline is all about the season-long thing. You don't have time to have an episode all about Bryce as much as we want it. Yeah. But when it's standalone stuff, the standalone story of the week stuff is what's important but you can still arc out a season long yeah. story but it's not the whole thing and this is something Discovery and Picard cannot do right now and to be like when I started watching this went oh they're making Paul Shear's character the main character for this episode that's kind of really f- and it was a funny idea the idea of like his kind of you know coming race from this, like, and- fantasy land yeah 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 have to uh, the, the joke of his mum trying to make him lose his virginity it felt very awkward and kind yeah. of like you know that's and- the one that felt most like a future armor or something yeah and yeah. also particularly funny as his mum is played by June Diane Raphael, who of course is his partner in real life for yeah. anyone who's a fan of How Did This Get Made, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the excellent uh, movie podcast. We just need Jason Manzoukas to turn over the call <laughs> Jester. Yeah, I mean, really Jason Manzoukas is a voice actor at the end yeah. of the day, so I don't know why he hasn't turned up. I mean, he's in everything, so yeah. yeah. He's in Big Mouth, like uh, loads of other stuff. So. Fun, yeah, it was a really funny idea to have this character who's a literal prince choosing to slum it in engineering, basically. I'll, I'll say slum it, you know, he's, he's main bridge crew for it. Well, I liked the idea of them kind of glorified the idea of he holds on to his virginity. That seemed quite a sweet idea in terms of like, you know, he he's not like judged by anyone. And then Rutherford actually rushing to save him from losing his virginity seemed really sweet to me. The <laughs> idea of like, because he's about to literally about have a like fucking threesome yeah. with like this hot guy and hot girl. And then Rutherford's like, no, you don't have to do this. <laughs> and the whole thing is Bill can't get it up, can he? Like, going, you know, Rutherford saves it. I thought it was actually really cute. Yeah, I really like the episode as well. And so literally I was, this season, I the... The pleasant surprise was I was watching these episodes going, oh, that was a really good one. Oh, this was even better. Like, yeah, that was it. And so it was actually, whereas season one, like, apart from, like, the finale, really, I can't really remember any episodes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's totally the in, in that same yeah. episode, uh, you've got that evil computer as well. And I was like, oh, is this thing going to be... That is funny. That is, is this going to be the new badgie? And is it going <laughs> to... Wind you up. Well, no, the, the computer was funny, and the computer is played by Jeffrey Coombs, who played oh, Shran in Star Trek Enterprise, who's a fan favourite, uh, the Andorian, who's like badass yeah. and stuff like that. It's reanimated. And uh, I've got to say, the evil computer was very funny. And the fact that he kept trying to like, corrupt everyone uh, constantly was, was really funny. And again, it plays into the Boimler Mariner conflict that's mm-hmm. going on. Thing. They actually have like, a proper fight. In that episode and stuff, you really feel that comes to a head. So I thought that was really fun. Yeah, that's a good. I enjoyed that bit on the planet. The, the, the Marvel computer was very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, like I say, this season to me just felt like a massive step up. Yeah. From the first season, and I will say, like my my defense, the finale because I really really liked that one. Is it felt like a really good combination of all the themes and storylines of the season of. It's a show about Lower Decks who are like the lesser crew and the bridge crew. But the whole thing of the Cerritos itself being like a lesser ship kind of puts them all in the same boat, really. Like if you're captain or bridge crew on a jokey ship, Mm. you're all sort of in the same boat. And they go from where they are in the the first episode to buy this end thing, having this massive, really important mission to save a clearly more important ship. 
And I just love how those really high stakes and the super exciting mission that they have to do to save this other ship, it's, it's like a ship-wide effort as well to save the day. So that's really kind of Trek-like and inspiring. And the idea of having to like discard the outer hull to get through an asteroid field without being switched off EMP style was great. And you had the dual threats. So you had that other ship spiraling towards the planet. It was a real ticking clock. You had everything with Rutherford and his shady repressed memories, like it's obviously going to come back to season three. Ooh, that's another big arc for this season. And yep. Rutherford kind of try to relearn who he is after having his like cybernetic like implant ripped out by uh, Shaxx in the finale of season one. Yeah. That plays in a lot this yeah. season. And all the mother-daughter stuff between the captain and, and Mariner comes to a head there as well. And uh, it all just tied in really well because you've had Rutherford and Tendi hiding out in that little ship when she thinks she's being reassigned that kind of gets them involved in like the end mission as well. And it just, I think Lower Decks has a really good way with the season one finale and this one to like pull out movie level stories in the last moments. And yeah, as much as the, the cliffhanger seemed a bit strange with the focus, you know, I think until we see season three, episode one, to see what the ramifications are going to be for our main cast, it, it really, yeah, really knocked out the park for me. Yeah, it all depends on how they deal with it when it comes to that cliffhanger. Because I think if it's like, going to be yeah. a thing of like, beginning of season three is them having to adjust to having a new like interim captain. I think there could be an opportunity for a dynamic like, what was the episode we watched? Is it in TNG? Where a different captain comes on and things really about chain of command. Yes. Where there is a different Jellico. Yes. Who's Jellico the guy so. from Robocop? That's right. Yeah, there yeah. could be a Jellico situation where they're suddenly like under the command of like some crazy person and them having to like, you know, get out of that. And I think I, I imagine the first mini arc of season three is going to be getting the captain back to being the captain and reestablishing. Which is right. kind of what we just did in this start of season two with getting Boimer back. Well, yeah. Like, so get... maybe, well, maybe it can go another way and, and establish a new status quo. Mm, but, um, or at least yeah, I mean, it all depends on how they deal with that story, really, in terms yeah. of because that that's the thing. It's hard to judge because it came out of nowhere. Yeah. It's hard it's... to judge until we see how yeah. they deal with it. It's whether or not it wants to be a show that falls back into the sitcom thing of status quo. Yeah, again and again, or charge forward and create new ones, and then have a sitcom sandbox play area for new stories mm, with mm, a different mm. setup every time. But so far, it feels like they scrambled to get back to the norm. And it would be interesting to see them change it up and and stick it out because yeah. I don't think many sitcoms have the opportunity because they always reset. But this is also a Star Trek show with ongoing stories, so you can keep changing up and then just have the structure and the the way and the tone and the gags mm, mm. be the half hour sitcom. Yeah, completely. I agree. I think it's the uh, yeah the overriding message of this show is that the lower decks ultimately become like so much more critical to the success yes. of the ship. Yes, and that's and, what I also like. Yeah, I think you know, that's it. Them, elevated, yeah. and they you know that's it. It was just, it was the bridge crew learning to respect the people mm -hmm. below. It's like there was a lot of antagonism between the two sort of like the class system in the Shritos in the first series, which kind of started the second one. It's still there at the times in the in the first one. It's about it's like I think the episode where they are back to the floor is just uh, probably the most overt expression of like we're trying to get educate both sides and when you pull together you make mm. something special mm. so I think that's it maybe it's positioning the bridge crew as as important as the lower decks because they've taken one of our own now like the captain's gone and that's like yeah it's almost like the they new, realize the new, that... the new norm it's like you know already subverted yeah. straight away it's almost like they realize there's probably a finite amount of stories you can do with keeping a lower deck set of characters as pure lower deck yeah. well yeah we noticed didn't we in the finale Boimler and Mariner randomly on the bridge during a scene and I was kind of like wait are they 
Are they usually on the bridge? What the fuck are they no, doing there? It's, like, it's yeah. a new development that like Boyman's getting some like time at the cops. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, so you know that's that's quite late in the season. That's sort of happening. I just yeah, thought, it kind of felt like they were just going. Actually, should we just make it more about the shit? like classic Star Trek show yeah. kind of almost like I kind of feel like maybe they'll slightly abandon the lower decks as a concept but what might be interesting the is if they because as we've seen through all Star Trek characters we've always said before they're always super competent right and they're always going up the ranks like you know Riker and everything mm-hmm. everyone kind of progresses in, in this world so it'd be interesting to say like if our lower decks characters end up moving up the ranks we just introduce new lower decks characters and they become well, not like like say by the bell next generation or something, but like the show carries on. But for every person who gets promoted, we replace them. So we always have a lower decks core. That might be interesting. That's an interesting because then, then by season five, it could be that Boimler and Co are like the bridge lot, and you have a new gang of. Although very difficult, I think the thing is that they may have made a mistake of promoting them too quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, it's, and if we've like had, I mean, maybe maybe they just realised that that wells of lower decks ship happening to them and stacking boxes is like run its course mm. like uh, you know mm. how many times can you humiliate this, these guys well and they kind of need to get them they, involved yeah. in the main story as yeah because well. they can't like, be involved uh, yeah. in big stuff if they are low decks by definition because the yeah. whole point is they're left out of everything yeah. although very funny in the sixth episode the spy humongous where there was the concept of the red shirts yeah. which is a funny idea anyway that clique. of like <laughs> this clique of kind of lower decks crew who were like training up to be like modeling themselves on like past captains and stuff yeah. and how you should do it and at one point they come across uh rufford tendy and mariner who are like cleaning up some stuff and then like, they say those three are always covered in some kind of slime and it made me think that the lower decks crew of this show are like the always sunny of star trek yeah. like, you know I mean? that's a funny idea but i think like you say i think maybe the future for the show is kind of bringing them up and making like some new characters, the Lower Decks crew, and kind of featuring uh, them as well. I don't think they'll yeah. backfill because they've got more than enough characters established. I yeah, just think it yes. would be, be a development that they are now mostly involved in and around the bridge crew. And maybe there'll be some people who are left behind. Like, mm. you know, Mariner may resent the fact that Boyman's getting more you know, bridge time or whatever it is. So there could be just some fresh on there but I don't know or even they play in more the idea of like in this episode where they can't get into the party they're a disrespected ship and actually the whole ship is just low decks in terms of they are seen as a low which is a thing which a lot of Star Trek fans have argued against in terms of gone like basically in Starfleet that wouldn't happen there wouldn't be a ship where it'd be like oh you're shit (laughs) and we're kind of like better than you that's not the way it would work I think it does uh, work that way because like uh the, the episode with Barclay, we, we covered on the pod recently, it were where, uh, you know, they talk about, like, reassigning Barclay. We need to reassign them to the Cerritos. But we don't, we don't get rid of our, like, problems. Like, you know, we, we make people better. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. It's like, they're... That's the thing. They don't reassign they talk, him they to the talk, shit shit. Well, they also talk about, like, you know, the last person gave a really growing report, and it's like, well, is it like a bad reference that they, or a good reference that was just written to get rid of them? Uh, you know, so they reference, they, they hit at, like, basically people be pulling fast ones, trading shite between ships, don't they, in that episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, yeah. you know, it's been established very early on in Next Gen, then I would say that, yeah, though, not all starships are created equal. So, final thoughts on Star Trek Loaded Season 2, Paul. Oh, well, I, I would say, you know, I'm probably trying to review guys that, like, I think it was improved on season one. I feel like, even though I enjoyed the first season, it was, uh, 
it, it difficulty sometimes connecting with the humor and like where it's pitched. But I feel like now the characters are more established, there's mm-hmm. higher stakes. I just felt like I, I, I gelled with them so much more. I found lots of moments like were not as forced in terms of the humor. They kind of came like came a lot more naturally. And I think some of the um, the scenarios in terms of episodes were really like engaging. Like they they cover a lot of ground in twenty minutes. Some of them were really cleverly written. And yeah, I, I literally my only like disappointment was the sort of ending a little bit. I was I just thought it was it wasn't earned. It it, it came out of nowhere. So aside from the cliffhanger, which you know we've talked about, I'm I'm all for it. Good stuff, Matthew. Yeah, I think it continues to get stronger. Um, I'm glad it's another Star Trek show that seems to do that. And I'm just very impressed with the way it has been matching sitcom scenarios and humor with bigger stories. Because as we've said, you know this concept could have lended itself to be pure like bottle episode or almost sunny just like keep it in the bar kind of thing keep it down there and that be the thing but they have the ambition here to to tackle bigger stories and even if it comes mostly kind of towards the end of the season each time i think that works because you can have your kind of more standard adventures as is gifted to you by the standalone setup but still tied into the bigger stuff and i think it's done a much better job at integrating everybody here and yeah i you know have great hopes for season three i think they can i think they've got a good runoff here like they have into one into two to pick up some loose threads do something interesting with them and then have another run of you know really interesting standalones i think i think sci-fi standalone half hours as evidenced by stuff like futurama shows that you know you have a whole world of ideas to pull from especially with something from existing ip when you've got older characters and worlds and species to pull from as well like, there's no end to what you can do and especially as it's all animated as well so i think you know the world is their oyster the universe is their oyster and i think i really can't wait for season three basically yeah i mean like i say i think this is genuinely a massive step up for season one i think it's far funnier in terms of all the jokes are kind of centered or most of the jokes are centred on plot and character rather than just Easter egg kind of Star Trek references. I think it's far more focused, like in terms of, you know, the actual comedy is coming from, you know, actual kind of coming up with stuff in the script rather than just like, oh, here's a Star Trek reference. But also in terms of the characters and stuff, I think they bring a lot more out of the character. They do develop them. By the end of the uh, season, you feel more connected to the characters than you did before. And I think they're doing stronger, isolated stories, which actually feel like like the Lower Decks episode, uh, where it's called the different Lower Decks of various different species. I think feel more, far more ambitious, actually taking advantage of the animated form. Even like the first episode, Strange Energy, straight away, where Ransom Cub becomes a kind of Gary Mitchell type figure is actually instantly using the animation to tell bigger kind of stories and stuff. And I think, yeah, I genuinely enjoyed the second season and actually it didn't feel like a chore, which the first season did. And I actually was like, oh, this one's really good. Oh, this one's even better. So now I'm actually looking forward to season three and seeing where they go. Yeah, so there you go. I will be on board for season three. How many seasons do you think is going to last? Uh, I... The thing is, it's difficult because adult animated comedies, I'd say, have about one of the most unlimited lifespans of any TV show. Like, in terms of, like, because if we think about, if we relate this to something like Family Guy or The Simpsons, they just go on forever. And and because animation, you kind of can. Yeah. So I'm like, 
essentially this one can just run and run and run in a way that you know could run beyond the seven season kind it, of like except, Star Trek thing. Like I think because of the premise of them being lower decks, like there is a limit to how much you can stretch mm. that out. I think that's the thing. Like, I think five seasons max. I'd kind of like to see them get to seven just to keep it uniform with a lot of other shows and the fact that it is only 10 episode seasons as well well i can see them doing seven just to be like oh we're very much matching in with that yeah. voyager ds9 tng classic thing <laughs> they probably made of many episodes in seven seasons they did in one no, season no, no. <laughs> but almost i can see them doing that as almost like a reference like oh we've yeah. done seven seasons as well well like, ten, i mean like yeah. seven seasons of 10 would be 70 episodes which yeah. is like Hitting season three of they they, they fucking the love referencing. I mean, like eight. you know, just look at one of the things I just find quite funny was that thing of uh, Boimler referring to Voyager as Voy. You have a Voyager plate. I collect all sorts of plates, and I love Voy. See, I have signatures from all the other bridge crew, from Janeway all the way down to Kim. Everyone from Voy. Why do you keep saying Voy? That's what I call Voyager to save time. It doesn't. I did like it when he turns comes out of the, the um, Jeffrey's tube, like you know, covered in shit, like and you know, his hair all over the place. And Paris says, Kazon! <laughs> and I like, attacks him like, immediately. I was like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. also a hit at like a Paris post-traumatic, yeah. post-traumatic distress disorder where he's like, you know, seeing Kazon pop up everywhere. Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea of like, which characters can we bring back for this over time? Like, potentially anyone, because it's just grab them and chuck them in a sound booth for like one yeah. hour, like, you know. No, I enjoyed it. A lot better. Season two, looking forward to season three. See how it resolves the cliffhanger. See if it does it well or not. Mm-hmm. I recommend uh, it. Get out there, watch it on Prime. Yeah, watch it on Prime before it fucking disappears and moves all over to Paramount fucking Plus, bitches. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, literally, you'll be fucking gone at the end of the day because Paramount Plus is the worst thing for us. Ever. Paramount Plus, they, they don't care about the Lower Decks crew. <laughs> They, they ain't got the money for, like, fucking 10 streaming services, Lower Decks. Like, yeah, but that's Paramount Plus. They don't give a fucking <laughs> shit. They're Paramount Plus are the fucking, like, they're not even the bridge crew of the Saratoga. They're the bridge crew of the fucking Enterprise. So, we're like, you're not good enough for our fucking show. Did me just think of, like, crisps when they hear Cerritos? <laughs> like, I was thinking, <laughs> like, like, like knockoff Doritos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have got some crisps. At the end of the day, if anyone wants any. That's oh, right. Like, got some kettle chips. Do you want some listeners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, so, yeah. sour cream and onion. Right like, in if you would like some of our crisps. <laughs> I would send you one crisp per listener. Yeah, like, fragile. Like, like in, 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 per listener per household. Don't get greedy. In an envelope. Uh, <laughs> right. Until next time, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can send us an email. A spotlightpod at gmail.com. Uh, always interested here for you. If you've got a long, lengthy Lower Decks rant, mm-hmm. send it over to that email. If not, contact us by the other social media. And we will be back with another episode of Spotlight focusing on some aspect of the Star Trek universe. But until then, everyone, live long and prosper. We low key love all of you.